the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward into hour number two now, seven minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, eighth morning, third month, year of our Lord, 2022. As it is Tuesday, that's good news for you because you get to experience the wisdom of our uh, wonderful Tuesday guest, Mr. Peter Kersenow, back with us once again. Pete is a the longest-serving member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is also a Cleveland attorney. He is a columnist, sometimes for National Review. He's a best-selling author, and he's writing books again, uh, but not necessarily uh, the same type that you have seen before, because he's actually picking up the mantle of, uh, of someone else. Hey, Pete. Before we talk news, before we talk about that stuff, tell us all about your new project. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks, Bob. I, um, I'm still writing my own novels, and in fact, I should have one coming out in about in a few months. Uh, but I'm also ghostwriting for W.E.B. Griffin, uh, who wrote a number of about 25 New York Times bestsellers. He died about a year, about two and a half years ago. And the estate and publishing company asked me to continue uh, at least one of the series, Ghostwriter, for them. I completed uh, one novel. I'm working on another one. And the, the completed one is available on pre-order on Amazon and all the other sites. Uh, it doesn't come out until August, but uh, it can be ordered now. So, And it's historical fiction. Uh, for those who know W.B. Griffin, his Minute War series was about the Office of Strategic Services, the precursor, pre- precursor to the CIA. And uh, all of its machinations during World War II, which were fascinating. Wild Bill Donovan was the head of it, a uh, guy who won more medals than anybody in history. Medal, you name it. He won every medal. You name it. Um, not only that, he was, he was a virtual genius. The guy graduated at the top of his law school class. Uh, even though he was a Republican, FDR admired him so much that he insisted he come work for him. But it has to do with the um, couple of uh, OSS agents who are kind of like... Um, James Bond, Jason Bourne types. And these types of people actually existed. And, uh, you know, they go into the midst of the war and perform all kinds of nefarious activities. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a fast-paced read, and uh, I'm looking forward to writing some more. What an honor for you, by the way, too, to be uh, writing for uh, W.E.B. Griffin and continuing that uh, those series. That's just a phenomenal thing, and you're you're such a tremendous writer in your own. But Pete, because uh, I knew you you were working on the 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 uh, Griffin one, and um, you said you've got your own coming out as well. How do you do two books at one time? I mean, how do you well, keep two different plots? You know what I mean? How do you how do you sit down in front of the keyboard one night and forget which one you're writing about and start mixing the plots yeah, together? I mean, it, that's got to be incredibly get, hard to do. It does get confusing, and on top of that, you know, I maintain a full time law practice and being on the Civil Rights Commission, I do get confused quite often. But what I do is I I actually I don't use a keyboard. I write longhand. That's my style, uh, and I never have writer's block. What I do is I take one novel, I put it at I have a long table. I put one of them at one end of the table. 
put a chair there, another one in the middle, and I'm working at three at the same time, and then one at the far end. And I work for about each night, maybe 30 minutes on one, then just shift over to the next chair, just work on that one, then shift over to the next chair. And um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm fortunate, or I don't know what it is, but I don't have writer's block, and I'm able to sh- make the shift pretty easily. Uh, it's, you know, a matter of mental discipline, but it's fun, it's good exercise. And for me, it's just like, you know, it's, it's like going to an amusement park. Uh, some people have an avocation that they truly enjoy. I'm fortunate to be one of those. And, uh, you know, it's it's fun. And uh, I, what I really enjoy is getting the emails and letters from fans, uh, especially a number of Special Forces folks. A lot of Navy SEALs mm-hmm. have contacted me. And it's a, a very... Uh, it, it, it's a satisfying experience that you know that you're writing in a way that uh, reflects their their bravery, their technical expertise, that it's it's accurate in terms of uh, the, the various protocols they go through. And, um, uh, you know, I like all the fans who, who will email me, but uh, it's particularly gratifying when it comes from people who actually do that kind of work. I think the inside of your skull is an amusement park, to be honest with you. (laughs) So many moving parts in there, so many rides going on all at one time, and you wonder how on earth you make that happen. That's remarkable. Well, Pete, uh, keep up that great work. Uh, I know your fans are just thrilled to hear that there's more of your your, your great uh, storytelling coming their way. All right, uh, Pete, let's dive into more serious matters now, and uh, let's talk about what to do about about the uh, energy crisis. Um, Biden has said, according to Politico and others, to stand Jen Psaki, Peppermint Patty herself, to be still undecided as to whether or not he wants to ban the importing of Russian oil and energy uh, and to stop Russian oil and energy from reaching the rest of Europe as well. Um, There is a bipartisan group of congressional leaders um, that are under no such uh, uh, hesitation. They're saying, let's do this right now. As a matter of fact, their their bill that they have put forth, or their plan anyway, is to ban all Russian energy imports and trade relations with Moscow and Belarus and give $10 billion in humanitarian relief to Ukraine. And Biden is said to be on the fence about it. We're two weeks into a bloody, bloody, bloody battle that has not only taken the lives of, uh, of thousands of innocent people, um, it has destabilized the energy market around the world and is causing extraordinary pain from people from one end of the, the, the globe to the other, well, at least from, from Europe to, to North America. So, Pete, why is Biden equivocating here? Why is he not immediately cutting off the revenue that Russia gets from the exporting of their energy and thus limiting by uh, Putin's ability to, to even wage that war? Yeah, uh, you know what? This is not actually that complicated. He's not called <clears throat> Slow Joe Biden for no reason. Uh, I I do think that a lot of this has to do with the incompetence of the entire administration. I mean, they're they're politically very uh, agile. And by agile, I mean they will immediately respond to what their base wants, and their base is the far left loons. Uh, but I think they're so beholden to them that they they've got it. They're in a, a problem. One is they will not increase our own production, or uh, you know approve, for example, the Keystone Pipeline and other pipelines. And so we've got a problem there. So they know that the gas prices are going to be rising tremendously. Now, they don't really care about that because they hope that we become acculturated or assimilated to high gas prices so that we gradually will then shift over to um, renewables and uh, electric cars. But they, they know that there's a short-term political price to pay with the midterms coming up. So they need to get 
oil somehow into the United States. So I think I think they're they're engaged in this weird balancing act where they're trying to make sure that the bloodletting that they're about to get in November, if everything goes the way it seems, is not as dramatic as it it would otherwise be. So they're they're playing this balancing act, which is absurd on steroids. I mean, we're buying oil right now. Now the the word is that sometime today or tomorrow they finally will capitulate and ban Russian oil imports. But right now, we've been importing for the last couple of weeks from Russia, at the same time that we're asking all kinds of other nefarious actors to ramp up their oil production. And then we are suppressing our own oil production. It Bingo. makes no sense. Not only is it insane, but we're, we are we truly are surrounded by incompetence. You listen to Peppermint Patty. She can't even, I mean, look, she has a hard job coming up with a rational exp- explanation for sheer insanity. I, I have to say, I wouldn't want to be in her position. Agreed. But even so, the stuff that she is saying is just, it's, I thought that the stupidest political statement I've heard in my entire life or read about through history was defund the police. I thought that that was the peak of political insanity. But what we're seeing now with the energy costs and the gas prices and the refusal to move on, on Keystone and other issues, I, I, it's extraordinary, and it's going to come home to haunt them. What they're trying to do right now, Bob, as you probably know, you've probably talked about this, but what they're trying to do furiously is make people forget the last year and focus only on the last two weeks with respect to the invasion of Ukraine as the reason for the spike in gas prices. We all know, I mean, I just went past um, the gas station where I typically fill up this morning, and it was mercifully, mercifully, at three ninety nine a gallon. Over the weekend, it had, it had uh, peaked to about 406, I think it was. And other gas stations I've seen are around low fours, okay? But it was just a year ago, we were at 216. I filled up my gas at $2.16 a gallon back in, it wasn't in, in, in March, it was in February of 2021. Uh, this, is, this is sheer craziness. And it's going to have, you know, the domino effect on virtually everything else because everything is dependent on gas prices. When you have to transport our goods and, and food and everything else, by rail and by by truck and by by car, that's going to have a baked-in cost to the price of those items, the retail cost of those items, and they're going up prodigiously. We're now saying, I, I saw this, I haven't seen any independent examination, and I always distrust the mainstream media for two reasons. Number one is I'm concerned about the propaganda they, that they spew, but when they're not spewing propaganda, they get things so horribly wrong. They have no clue what they're, they're talking about. Not everybody, but too many of them to rely on them on a regular basis. But you take a look at, at uh, the costs that are going up right now. There, it's it's truly extraordinary. Anywhere from three to five thousand dollars a year for an ordinary family, a family that's making about sixty thousand dollars a year. Think about that. Three to five thousand dollars before taxes. That's an extraordinary uh, uh, expense for people like that. And Biden knows that if he uh, bans Russian oil, as I said in the beginning, if he bans Russian oil, that's going to go up even more, and it's going to tick up every other consumer item out there so uh you know but you know he he made his bed he has been trying to deal with that vladimir putin and a lot of other nefarious actors such as iran uh still trying to resurrect the the worst treaty in american history not treaty deal in american history and he's dealing with all these other bad actors it's it's an extraordinary thing to watch but this is what you get when you get stupidity combined with um uh, this type of political incompetence. So uh, that's where we are today. Right. 
Pete, um, there are some other things that have to be considered here, too, in addition to banning foreign energy from being exported uh, and also ramping up our domestic production as much as possible. And that, by the way, is a long-term thing. People seem to think that, hey, if Biden says it, flip the switch and Keystone is flowing. Right. It's not. It's not finished being constructed yet. It might have been by now if the last 13 months hadn't been obstructed. That construction, uh, obstructed construction, try that five times fast. Um, by Biden on day one, on January 20, 2021, he stopped the, uh, 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 by executive order, the construction of Keystone and, uh, of course, uh, withdrew those leases, uh, for fracking on federal lands. So it's, it's a long, it's still a long-term picture solution to ramp up domestic production right now, but there are some short-term things that can be done, such as a moratorium on the gas tax. I mean, the federal gas tax is around eighteen twenty cents a gallon. I believe it is. Diesel is around twenty eight cents. The Ohio uh, gas tax is, I think, thirty eight cents, thirty eight and a half cents a gallon right now. You know, if we if we put a moratorium on those things, at least in the short term, it could at least provide us with a little bit of relief. And I don't even see any inclination for either Biden at the federal level or Dewine at our level to do to do that. Yeah, because it goes against the catechism of the left. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, they don't want to reduce taxes or any other kind of charges like that, because that finances the government. Um, the holy grail of Green New Deal can't be financed if they alleviate those kinds of burdens on ordinary Americans. So, look, they made their bed. They're going to have to sleep in it. It's going to be visited upon them back in November. I think that's good news if all, all things stand the way uh, they are right now. But in the meantime, think about how cruel it is for our elected leaders who are supposed to be serving us to pretty much say to us, you're going to have to pay a heck of a lot more money because we have to achieve our holy grail of a Green New Deal, which I think is a, it would be a pure victory for them anyway. But nonetheless, they don't care about the pain that is being imposed on tens of millions of Americans because direct result of their policy. And keep in mind, their Green New Deal policies are precisely what has gotten us into this fix right now, but also precisely what Russia for a long time has wanted us to do. Since the 1960s and early 70s, the Soviet Union, all you got to do is look at some of the material that was released after the purported fall of, of the Soviet Union. And that is that uh, the green movement in the West, not just in the United States, but throughout Europe, was financed in large part by the Soviets. They wanted them, for several reasons, wanted the West to go into green energy for a lot of reasons that we, we, would take a, uh, we could take in another show to talk about, but I think your readers or, or your listeners probably know precisely why. And in the meantime, Russia's sitting on this huge ocean of oil, and it's parceling out oil and making money off of it, but we're doing the bidding of the Brezhnevs and the Gorbachevs and the uh, Putins of the world, and nobody's talking anything about it. And it's also what's remarkable is how quickly, well, actually not quickly, it never appeared. The connections between a whole raft of democratic uh, eminences and their families and uh, Ukraine and other places. If Donald Trump's family had any kind of connection to Ukraine 
it would be 24-7 right now. But you've got some of the biggest people in the Democratic Party have had these ridiculous connections with gas companies and oil companies in Ukraine, and nobody says anything about it. You know, we know about Hunter Biden. We know about the carries. It, this would be 24-7 right now. It, I'm not trying to say that there's some type of grand conspiracy going on here. All I'm saying is it makes sense for rational people to ask themselves why it is that our government, and by that I mean the prominent people, the players in our government, seem to have these incestuous relationships with our either adversaries or downright enemies like China and, and Russia and, you know, what's going on with Ukraine. I think that, look, I, I, am, I have I'm no brief for the Russians or Vladimir Putin in this thing. They started it. They're the aggressors. They're the bad guys. But by the same token, there's a heck of a lot of hagiography hey going on with respect to Ukraine. I, I admire the people. I admire their grit and everything else. But you know what? Propaganda flows furiously during wartime, and we're getting propaganda for all sides. I think it's incumbent upon the American people to look out for our interests first, our interests first, and then ask ourselves what's best for individual Americans and Americans collectively as a whole, and does that comport with what we're seeing going on from this administration in our relationships with Ukraine and Russia and, frankly, Iran and other places. Peter Kirsten now with us on AM 1420, The Answer. I told you you had a lot of information to share. We'll continue right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1025, we continue now with Peter Kirsten. Now, Pete, we're going to stay on the Russian story, but not necessarily about Russian energy at this moment, and not necessarily about the actual invasion of Ukraine. I'm going to talk about the Iran nuclear deal. Oh, a man. Russian, yeah, a, a Russian diplomat taking part in these talks said that Tehran got much, much more than anyone expected uh, as it negotiated with other nations to revive the uh, JCPOA. Iranian colleagues are fighting for their national interests like lions, said Russian diplomat Mikhail Yulianov. I hope I'm doing that right. Ulyanov. Video, say again? Ulyanov. Ulyanov. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, they fight for every comma, every word, and as a rule, quite successfully. They're getting more than they even thought they would get. And and Pete, while the the diplomat may be praising Iranian negotiation tactics, I think uh, it's probably you know uh, is, uh, just as much from column A as it is column B with weakness from Russian negotiators uh, in the Biden administration. What's your takeaway right now? Well, I think that's a very good summary right now. Weakness in the Biden administration and weakness at this level can be catastrophic. None of us, I think, on the right wanted to see any kind of iteration of the Iran nuke deal, which you and I have talked about for a number of years, Bob, and every time I've mentioned it, I've always said it was the worst deal in American history. It's not a treaty. It was never ratified. It was a deal, an executive deal. Uh, agreement that was negotiated by the Obama administration. Now we're resurrecting again. Biden couldn't, he couldn't wait to resurrect this thing when he got back into office. And why? With the chief sponsor of terrorism. We're supposed to believe these guys, okay? And what do we have? Of course, you know, many of the Europeans that were um, uh, signatory to the first JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive um, uh, Agreement, um, 
the, you know, they went ahead and kind of implemented this, the general terms of it, but we didn't under Trump, okay? That was a very, very smart thing to do. We, were, we would be empowering Iran to get a nuke and at the same time lifting all kinds of sanctions and restrictions that would make the Ayatollahs in Iran generally very, very wealthy. They would have all the money they needed to continue to finance their terror. Who was opposed to all of this? Well, those who had the greatest stake in a powerful and nuclear Iran, and that is Israel. I think Israel's going to have to hit Iran's nuclear facilities, frankly, because we're not, I can't believe we're doing this to our ally Israel. But the UAE, the Saudis, uh, everybody was opposed to this in the immediate orbit, the Middle East orbit of Iran. Iran's their chief enemy. And we, they were opposed to it. Yet we're negotiating with them, the chief sponsors of terror in the world, so that they will eventually get a nuke and all of the sanctions that are being lifted on. You know, these concessions, our negotiators got by the name of Rob Malley, but my understanding is 90% of the negotiations are being done by Mikhail Yulianov. And he, even he, he's Russian. The Russians are negotiating on our behalf. This is how lunatic this is. As I said before, I thought defund the police was the most insane thing I'd heard in politics in my lifetime. But the Biden administration are saying, hold my beer, several times. This is an extraordinary thing. I I urge your listeners to do a little bit of reading on this because they won't believe it. They're going to be slapping their their foreheads silly reading this because it is peak lunacy. But this has dangerous repercussions, not just for the general Middle East. As I said, all the countries surrounding Iran are petrified about this. And I do think Israel is going to have to take it upon themselves, unfortunately, to do something about this. But Iran, eventually, they're, they're testing ICBMs. Why do you need ICBMs? Well, it has to cross the Atlantic or Pacific Oceans. Why? Who's over there? Well, the United States, the great Satan. The fact that we're doing this is nuts. What we should be doing, I don't advocate, you know, any kind of war or violence or anything else like that. But the Israelis got it right. They sabotage their nuclear facilities every single chance they get, and that's what the Americans should be doing, too. Iran is bad actors, and we're trying to get a deal with them that's bad on its face, but will get worse because Iran's going to breach it. Pete, I want to play just the last portion of a clip with Peppermint Patty yesterday. Um, And this isn't about the oil prices. The original clip was. uh, But she dropped the line in there when uh, she was asked about... um, uh, about why Vladimir Putin thinks, or excuse me, why Joe Biden thinks it's a good idea to be negotiating with bad actors in Venezuela and Saudi Arabia and so on and so forth to get more oil. She dropped this bomb in there uh, as it pertains to the JCPOA. For Iran, it's reducing our dependence on foreign oil. That's actually, I just outlined each of those specific scenarios and the range of par- discussions that we're having, uh, which each of those countries, I don't think anybody is advocating for Iran to continue acquiring a nuclear weapon, perhaps except for the former president who put, pulled us out of the deal. Go ahead. You catch that, Pete? I, I got it, yeah. Uh, what she's doing there is the usual tactic of trying to rally the base by, by talking about Trump. You know, for them, it's a talisman. Trump, and all of a sudden, you get all of your minions in line again. That is having less and less salience right now as we see the serial incompetence of this administration. Yes, the hard left are going to be on their side, at least in terms of their policy initiatives. They may not particularly like the way they're doing it. 
But the, the incompetence compounded by this ideological rigidity that is harming Americans and endangering our allies and us in the world, this is the kind of stuff that rational people, regardless of where they stay on the political spectrum, spectrum cannot continue to abide. But, but, but Pete, is, real quick, just specifically, it wasn't just the mention of the word Trump there. It was, um, it's what she said. You know, when she said that uh, nobody here wants to uh, uh, Iran to get a nuclear weapon except for the last administration because they pulled us out of the deal. She's trying to let us believe or make us believe that pulling out of that Iran nuclear deal made Iran more likely to get a nuclear weapon. Right, exactly right. And using the term Trump would get the media to fall in. Um, this is their tactic they use. Mention Trump and you could say, you know, Trump and we should all be eating um you know, uh, I, I don't know, you name it, some type of poison, and people would go along with it. Trump, and we should all be exposing ourselves to radioactivity. And everybody would say, okay, let's expose ourselves to radioactivity. That's the way they've been trying to acculturate us. It's almost as if it's Pavlovian at this point, especially with the media. All you got to do is throw Trump out there, and 90% of the people sitting in front of Peppermint Patty are going to go along with, oh, yeah, Biden must be right about this because he mentioned Trump and Trump like, like this. So everything Trump likes is bad because Trump bad. That's uh, that's that's rather brilliant there, Pavlovian, because Pavlov, of course, was Russian. So you're right on point. <laughs> All right, let's get a let's get a quick time out here uh, for news. We'll come back with Chris now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, 1037, I count 23 minutes of outstanding awesome left in this broadcast. Thanks for being with us. Peter Kirsten now makes it even that much more awesome. Pete, I know you wanted to talk about crime, and you got a little bit of a, a drop in there a few moments ago when you talked about uh, abolishing police and defunding police and what it's done, um, along with uh, you know hiring ridiculous Soros-influenced, light-on-crime DAs, uh, terrible judges, uh, giving light sentences. And, and I do want to talk about that, too, in America. But let's make the connection between crime and Russia, since we've been talking about Russia. And let's talk about Brittany Griner. I don't even know if you're aware of this story. But if you are, or if you're not, rather, let me give you the, the thumbnail version of it. Brittany Griner is a WNBA star. A celebrated WNBA star, as much as you can celebrate the WNBA, it is what it is. Uh, she went to Russia to play basketball during the WNBA break, I guess, uh, in early February for the FIBA tournament or something or another. At any rate, she decided to go to Russia and take her marijuana and or hashish oil with her because the drug dogs at the airport sniffed her out. And she was arrested. And she's facing 10 years, potentially, in a Russian jail. Pete, um, Brittany Griner checks pretty much most of the boxes needed to be able to set the left off uh, on a tirade. How dare you hold and detain this woman because she's the right color, she's the right sexual orientation, and she has the right anti-American attitude. 
She actually campaigned to have the national anthem stopped from being played before WNBA games. That's the latter part of this. But Sheila Jackson Lee is a con- uh, congresswoman from Houston, widely regarded as one of the dumbest members of Congress. Uh, she, she, uh, she, that's, that's, say, that's quite a challenge there, Bob. I know. I <laughs> but know. I concur with her. I've had dealings with her, and you will not. I mean... I used to think Biden was dumb, <laughs> and there are a lot of others that compete. Maxine Waters, there are a lot. There's so many, but Joe Jackson Lee, I'll tell you, I, it, you'd be hard pressed, hard pressed to find somebody dumber than her. Yeah, yeah there's no question. Um, she thinks she controls international policy now. I guess here's what she said. Um, oh, hold on a second. I mean, that might be the uh, Anthony Blinken part of the. Uh, here it is. Uh, Brittany Griner is a United States citizen. She was a guest in Russia, and I will be demanding her release. I don't want to disregard a sovereign nation, but Putin has disregarded sovereign nations, his entire service in this world. And anyone that is killing and attacking and destroying Ukraine, their neighboring country, that does not bother them, has no right to hold Ms. Griner. So apparently you can break international drug laws if, um, if the, the country that you're, that you're visiting is in a war with somebody else. She went on to say, if there are challenges and concerns about her actions, it should be dealt with diplomatically. And she should be released. In other words, not criminally, diplomatically. She also said, I believe that at this time in the midst of war, how dangerous being Moscow, how dangerous it is to be in Moscow prisons, it is no place for her. I would call upon Russia at this time to really stop harassing U.S. citizens and more importantly release those that are there and not try to claim any upper hand or any sense of character in the pillage and murder and terroristic actions against the Ukrainians. So, Pete... Now look, I, I I don't want an American citizen to be sentenced to ten years at hard labor with regular torture sessions in 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 between you know those uh, uh those those labor sessions the way Otto Warmbier faced when he was yep. convicted of trying to take a picture off a wall in a North Korean hotel room. Uh, I, I would absolutely fight for that American citizen's rights if they're being if they're being harmed in such ways. But they're demanding her release because Putin's a bad guy and he invaded Ukraine. Therefore, Brittany Griner shouldn't be held. Uh, they're trying to make her sound or make it sound like she's a political prisoner, like she's a hostage taken by the Russians in order to get America to stop helping Ukraine. Pete, it's no such thing. She 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 broke a law, and and if you don't know the laws in the country in which you're visiting, that's on you. Yeah, um, you know. I hate to be churlish about this, and I, and I won't be, but just throw out some, some observations, as you mentioned. Um, I, I don't know much about her. I've read a little bit about her, and she's one of those who uh, kneels for the nice national person. anthem. Yeah. yeah, and she kneels for the national anthem. And, you know, again, she's an American citizen, so we should do what is within our power to make sure that she's not abused or anything else like that. But you know what? When you travel abroad... It's incumbent upon you to be aware of the laws over there and abide by them. Uh, And, you know, look, again, diplomatically, the United States should do what it can to protect American citizens. But if the United States is such an awful country that you won't even stand for its national anthem, why would you expect that it's going to do what it can to get you released? Um, And by the way, don't you think Russia is a better country than the United States is or many of these other countries? I mean, many of the left seem to celebrate all of these you know, bastions of, of liberty and peace and condemn the United States of America. Yes, uh, okay, I'm being a little bit facetious, but the fact of the matter is there is, and I hate to say this, there's a little bit of schadenfreude here. There's a little bit of satisfaction in seeing one of these entitled people 
get their lunch handed to them in a way that you hope will be a lesson. I doubt that it will be. I doubt that it will be. You know how much trouble you're going to be in? You know how much trouble you're going to be in for calling Brittany Griner entitled? She's black and she's gay. Uh, She's the farthest thing from entitled. In fact, she's oppressed and put down upon. That's why she sees America as this systemically oppressive nation that it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, I've said before, when you want to go through the hierarchy of entitlement, just look at who gets canceled, okay? And the people who get canceled first are white males. How many people do you know, when, when you have 34% of white high school students lie on their college, college applications to say that they have some type of Indian or some other kind of, of uh, uh, you know, ancestry, they lie so that they can get into co- well, what kind of privilege is that? That's where the privilege is. Privilege is where you get into schools, or you get jobs, or get certain uh, considerations that you otherwise would not have gotten because you are a minority. The United States of America still remains the greatest country in the world. It is getting fragile because we're doing everything we can. We're installing some of the greatest morons of, of an American history into office. Uh, but it still remains that way, but we've got to defend it against the morons. But again, going back to my initial premise, I think we should get her out if we can. You know, she's an American. See if we can get her out of there. It's being in a Russian prison is not the best thing in the world, uh, but it should be, if, if we had a sane world, if we had a fair world, it should be a wake-up call for all those on the left who think that, my goodness, the United States of America is a horrible place, and it's also a wake-up call for all those people who've allowed a general, gradual de- decline in our culture in, in our adherence to the rule of law, so that we think we can do anything we want to. We flout the law here in the United States on a regular basis, and our officials call for defunding the police and not prosecuting a whole subset of crimes, and then we go overseas and discover, uh-oh, not everybody is as insane and woke as we are. It's a yeah. real, you know, splash of cold water to the face. I, uh... One of the... Go ahead, Bob. Well, I was just going to say, I think Sheila Jackson Lee is calling for the abolishing of Russian police and the defunding of Russian police dogs. So, <laughs> right? Because they, they try that crap here and it actually works. Uh, but they're basically saying, look, anything that is, and let's, let's kind of segue into what else you wanted to talk about here. And when you just mentioned a second ago about we were installing, you know, these certain types of leaders in these in these offices, it's not always congressional offices, and it's not even you know presidential offices or the right. office. It's it's the DA's offices, it's the benches. These, you know, as we talk about violent crime and the extraordinary spike in larger urban center communities all across this country right now, it's not an accident. It's not just that everybody got angrier. It it simply is that there is a very very small level of deterrent right now being put out there. Uh, by these DAs and by these judges who would be violent criminals. That's exactly right. Every election matters, and it doesn't matter if it's school board or president of the United States. We've seen that over the last two years, that at these lower, so-called lower-level positions, they're the ones who actually have the ability to affect policy at the ground level, and they have serious effects. We see that with defund the police and the giant, giant spike in crime. I've got a letter that's going to the Attorney General shortly, listing a whole host of things, and based on what we've heard at the Civil Rights Commission, because we've had a lot of hearings on these issues related to uh, spikes in crimes, they're doing everything the wrong way. A little bit of an exaggeration, but they're doing everything the wrong way, both at the federal level all the way down to the local level, in blue districts. 
in the main. Now, it bleeds over, unfortunately, to red districts because you can't confine criminals to just their own little spheres. But nonetheless, these idiotic policies must stop. And then there's this, as I said, a general acceptance, a cultural acceptance of low-level crimes, of general bad behavior, of not doing what you're supposed to do as a responsible citizen of the United States of America. And it's the broken windows effect, as a number of, of uh, political scientists and sociologists have shown, um, when you don't mow your lawn, it leads to something else. Some, you know, somebody else doesn't mow their lawn, and somebody else doesn't mow their lawn, and pretty soon somebody doesn't repair a broken window, and then pretty soon there's garbage all over the place, and it advances incrementally, but it's inexorable. It does happen, and it increases crime and bad crimes, and that's precisely what's going on in a lot of these liberal districts. We're seeing this significant increase in both low-level crimes and also now it's it's advanced to rapes, robberies, carjackings, murders. It's extraordinary. It's happening also, and maybe more profoundly, among our young people. Because in schools, we're not even teaching the fundamentals of civics. Not only are we not teaching the fundamentals of civics, we're eschewing it and saying the civics of the United States of America are racist. So you must reject them. You could not have orchestrated this any better if you were in the KGB, and this is precisely as the Verona Cables have shown, the, the revelations of them from the late 40s to the 70s. This is precisely what the KGB wanted to do to the United States, and now we're doing it and doing it to ourselves. Let me give you an example, Peter, of what you're talking about, and we'll wrap it with this. <clears throat> Cleveland Police Report. Indictment 1, attempted murder. Indictment count 2, felonious assault. Count 3, felonious assault. Count 4, domestic violence. Count 5, endangering children. Count 6, endangering children. Six felonies, including attempted murder and two felonious assaults. Out on bond for $4,000. Amazing. Just amazing. And that's happening throughout the country. It's extraordinary. And these people are laughing. You probably saw the video of one guy who got released, and he's astounded by it. He's astounded that got, he got released. I think it was like his third arrest for, I, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like aggravated assault. He had beaten somebody to a pulp, and he said he shouldn't be out. He's just extraordinary. It's just extraordinary. He's out again. They're laughing at us. And we're permitting this to happen. We have to get these people out of office. We have to change our culture again, get it back to the type of culture we had in the past, where you obeyed the law, obeyed society's norms, obeyed your teachers and your parents. You did those kinds of things. There's nothing racist about that. That's American. It's civilized. It's human. And we don't do that. We're, we're seeing what's happening. We're spiraling out of control. And it encourages the kind of moronic behavior even at the highest levels. It has a domino effect going in both directions. We've seen that over and over again throughout history. And if we don't get this under control soon, you know, we're going to be, be praying for an America that we saw just, say, 10 years ago, let alone 30 years ago. You know, Pete, you're, you're kind of making it a, an either-or choice here. It's a binary choice. Follow the law or defund the law enforcers. Uh, I think I'm going to go defund the law enforcers if I'm a criminal. Uh, it's so much easier than following the law. Yeah, let's just yep. abolish those who can arrest us and uh, and uh, elect and appoint people who aren't going to sentence us to very much anyway. It's it's simply incredible, but you're right, and that's the path that we are on. Peter Kersenow, terrific conversation. As always, my friend, thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you next week. 
Thank you, Bob. Take care. Right. That's Kersenau wrapping for us. We've got a few good minutes left here. It's 1051. Uh, we may be able to squeeze a call or two or three in if you dial now. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Always write right back. All right, 1055. Dr. Uh, Sebastian Gorka, I saw a tweet that he put out yesterday. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I will uh, read uh, news stories that contain tweets. He put out a tweet yesterday asking, he said, and I'm paraphrasing it now because I don't have it open, uh, to the effect of, I don't know if there are any Biden voters among my followers here, but if there are, how are you feeling right about now? That's what he asked. And somebody posted a response that I think says it perfectly. Uh, It was in The Federalist. It was written by Joy Pullman. And the answer is, the Americans who voted for Joe Biden owe the rest of us an apology. And, you know, it it is so true. I'm scrolling up and down my own social media timelines, and I've got Facebook and Instagram and Getter, um, which you can follow me on. And um, it it is so sad, the number of people who are posting their own personal travails, uh, their financial situations and their families have gotten so much worse. Biden said when he took office that he's going to raise taxes. But he said that those taxes, tax increases, would only be on people making $400,000 a year or more. We are all facing a 7% tax increase just right now. A 7% inflation tax, which we are all paying, and that is only the tip of the iceberg, because it's going up even more. I don't know about you. I don't make $400,000 a year. And yet my taxes have gone up to the point where I cannot afford all of the things that I could afford a year ago or a year and a half ago when President Trump was running the show and was cranking out record-breaking economic growth and record-breaking unemployment statistics and energy independence, net exported for the first time in American history. That means we send out more energy from our own sources than we take in. My, My family was doing great. My income... My wife's income, we're able to meet all of our obligations and put away savings and put away retirement and all the things that families are supposed to do on their budgets. Just normal. And now, none of those things are possible for middle-class families all over this country. Biden, or, uh, Biden voters owe the rest of us an apology. This article is right. I'll post it. I'll share it. Because you know what? On social media right now, like I said, everybody is sharing their own stories of pain. They're, they're taking pictures of the gas pump that they're filling up at. Uh, they're they're uh, painting, uh, uh, posting pictures of empty shelves. They're taking pictures of the receipts at the grocery line to show how much more that it cost them to fill up a cart than it did for a week, you know, than it did uh, uh, before. Everybody's telling their stories, and I'm going to put this up there, and I'm going to ask, are there any Biden voters who are willing to apologize for what they've done to this country? 
because it has been Biden policy that has led to all of these trials and travails that we're suffering through right now. I'm wondering if they ever will apologize and say, yeah, maybe we kind of dropped the ball on this one. Maybe they still hate Trump. and They don't apologize for voting against him. Maybe the problem is in their primary. But I wonder if they'll apologize for what they have brought upon the middle class people of this country. Thanks to Peter Kersenow. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Marcy. Thanks to you for listening. Be well, be safe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.